Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. sun came down and the jungle fire was burning down the track came a hobo hiking and he said boys i'm not turning i'm going to a land that's far away beside the crystal fountain so come with me we'll go and see the big rock candy mountain what is happening did we dissolve into nothingness and is this my afterlife? No, sir. I just really like this song. I mean, I know. And it's a great song. But you're singing it. And that's unusual. Well, it seems that a great many things are unusual of late. I wish to sing about the end of this wormhole. The end of this experience in the past. The end, eventually, of capitalism. And perhaps the end of this journey through the stars. Oh. Hmm. Well, nowhere to go but forward. Well said, sir. Welcome, friends at home. For the last time, I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, writer, educator, and I have had the utmost honor to be the captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I am Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And I'll see you all this coming fall in the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Just a reminder to listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. It's the end of our chat mm -hmm. about our book, The Grieving Therapist. We're chatting about chapter 10, and it is the end of this podcast, mm -hmm. at least for the foreseeable future. You know, I think there's always a chance that something might happen and we may make some sort of like holiday special guest appearance. Sure. Why not? Leave all knows. doors open. That's right. But just to be clear, friends at home, the plan is that this is, mm -hmm. this is the end. Mm -hmm. Beautiful friends. Mm -hmm. And as therapists, mm. we know and respect and honor endings. And so friends at home, you might be saying to yourselves, why do they keep saying that this is ending? That is sad, and I want them to stop <laughs> saying that. Um, we say that it is ending. Mm -hmm. We verbalize to normalize. Yes. Because so unoften, <laughs> infrequently. <laughs> I like that you're like, you know what? It's the end. It's time for me to just like get in some last word creations here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, are we as humans exposed to... Endings that are intentional. Right. And yes. thoughtful. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons that, like, I was, like, really, I was, like, no, we have to end the podcast. We have to be clear. We got to do this. Mm-hmm. And right. We can't just ghost. We can't just ghost. We can't do that. And I don't know that you were, like, opposed to that, but, like, getting it off the ground took some doing. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that was a couple reasons. It wasn't so much that the main reason is goodbyes are hard. Right. Although, of course, that's a part of it. Totally. Right. But it's like doing things is hard. (laughs) Well, and that's like one of the big reasons that it just felt like the right time to end the podcast, because Mm -hmm. this is a a real sort of transition point, I think, Mm -hmm. for each of us professionally. Yeah. It's felt like for a while, and I'm sure like listeners are like, yes, we've certainly noticed that for the first <laughs> like three years, things were released on a very set schedule. So consistent, mm-hmm, mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, they were. And like they haven't been for the last like, what, probably two years. Um, well, I mean, since the pandemic, let's be real. Our I mean, lives yes. changed. Our lives changed. I think the first year of the pandemic, we were really... Sure, we were we trying were to be really supportive. Solid. Yes, yeah. yes. And then... But that was really painful. <laughs> it was, and then we got to a point where like, we were like, wow, we need more support. And mm. my dog Marinim got so sick, and oh, we were trying God. to like write the book, yes. and it just... Everything like, fell apart. Everything fell apart. And you know, one of the things that grief allows us is to have that experience of just like letting go, mm-hmm. and cycling through the letting go. You know, it's one of the reasons why we did actually include the five to six stages of grief model, though... At this present moment, there's lots of, like, critique. Sure. And yes. sometimes even downright negative feelings about it. One of the big reasons we included it is that it is a cyclical model. Mm-hmm. And grief very much is about repeating this cycle. Mm-hmm. And each time we roll through it, we find more to let go of. But then, I w- actually, I do think it's, like, not even almost always. Always, as you're nearing the end of, like, this most intense the high intense period of grief, which can be Mm -hmm. years, folks at home, Mm -hmm. you start to notice, oh, there's actually something I don't want to let go of. Yes. Yes. There's something Mm -hmm. I really want to keep. And I need, and like it it lived, it existed, it breathed in this old context that I'm grieving, Mm -hmm. that I've spent all this time grieving and letting go of. Mm -hmm. I have to find a new way to like keep this seed alive Mm -hmm. in this new context, but it's really important for me to do that. And I think you and I both realized with the podcast, like, the podcast was one of the things it was time to let go of. Yeah. And for me, on a personal level, one of the big reasons for that is that when I think of the podcast... Mm, I know where the story's going, and I love it. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think of the podcast in my old apartment, Mm -hmm. and I think of it as being a podcast that I'm recording with Marinim very much there. Oh, this isn't where I thought you were going. Okay, well, I'm curious to hear where yeah. maybe you thought I was going. But like, I like mm-hmm. either she, like sometimes she would be quiet enough where she would lay on the bed. Usually, Aww. she would get up and leave. Right? Yeah. She and Katsu would like protest to stay. Sometimes Tally <laughs> would get on board and be like, "What about me, bitches?" Um, <laughs> and that's how I think of the podcast. And I realized, oh, that's how I always want to think of it. Oh, I yeah. don't want to think of it transitioning like Merlin is a beautiful, wonderful boy. And he has like many mm-hmm. like connective experiences mm-hmm. with me, with you, with us. But the podcast isn't one of them. In fact, yeah. that the whole apparatus kind of frightens him. 
<laughs> Which makes sense. So much in life feels terrifying to his because system. Because he has global terror or whatever the vet's diagnosed him with. Global fear. It's like PTSD for dogs. We call it global fear. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I... I want to let this go so we can live in memoriam because for me personally, it will live in memoriam as this beautiful time in my life Mm -hmm. when I lived in Lincoln Park with Marina. Oh, I love that. So where I thought you were going, which is so on Kirk brand, right? I thought this was about me. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. Yeah. Well, because when you moved to Chicago, Yes. I, you know, in all of my my punk rock stoicism. Totally. Was like, well, we're not friends anymore. Or like, we're not going to be friends anymore because that's just, that's, that's just how things are. You're going to leave and that is going to be it. And you and your moosiness was like, I'm not let that happen. Truth. Truth. Yeah. I'm going to keep finding shit for us to do. First yeah. up. We're going to write a book. Second up, well, <laughs> we contributed to our, our dear friend Travis's uh, line of books. Mm-hmm. But then we were like, well, okay, now let's do a podcast. That's true. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like, let's stay connected every week. This way, we won't not be connected. That's right. We'll always have something to work on. Because especially at that point, you and I were very much project friends. Yeah. And we've talked about this on mm-hmm. the pod before, how mm-hmm. funny it is to think about now. But yeah, that that was very much how I lived my life. It was like, mm-hmm. are we working on something together? Then we can be friends. If we're not working on something together, then what are we even doing? Right. <laughs> Which is so funny to think about now. Um, because I like one of the most cherished parts of my life now is like engaging with humans just to engage with humans. Right, which, I mean, very much speaks to the transcendent changes mm-hmm. that, frankly, writing The Grieving Therapist and moving through the pandemic has wrought. Mm-hmm. I will also just, like, give a plug for Project Friends, because I do think one of the main ways that, like, humans learn how to do friendship and, like, meet mm-hmm. each other is, like, let's yeah. work on a thing together. Sure. I mean, that's how you get to be friends in school. Exactly. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's foundational. I, I mean, friends at home, Justine and I are going to continue to work on projects together. Also, if you were worried that we're breaking up or not. (laughs) No, this is not like, and the band is ending. Um, It's more like, you know, (laughs) the band is disassembling and now we're really getting into like basket weaving together. (laughs) And also we do more things like go to the opera and go to ballets, right? Because like we Uh realized we needed to like weave more of that in. Yeah, just watching Columbo, just to watch Columbo, not to talk to you all about it. And one more thing. I know. It's so true. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, you're absolutely right. Like when I made that move, I was like, we need to build something concrete Mm -hmm. so that this this isn't, it's ending, but it's like changing. Mm -hmm. Because I grieved so much in my move and I was like so clear on like, I cannot, like, I'm not losing Justine. Mm. that's like not a thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, to your credit, you did it. Mm-hmm. And also to your credit, like because of like the way that I work clinically at the practice where I'm at, I'm mm-hmm. now in a position where like there's like ebb and flow in terms of like clinicians leaving and clinicians sure. starting and like I'm in it to win it. 
there. So I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm part of a lot of like hellos and goodbyes, which Mm -hmm. certain parts of my system absolutely loathe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I've now had a number of experiences where people will do a version of what I did to you where they're like, I know I'm leaving, but like, we're going to stay so close. (laughs) But it's lies. It's lies. And I, because I'm a moose and I'm like, oh, well, like I'm also a moose, but I'm also an elephant. Like I said, what I said, and I meant what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. You and will never human, forget. And will never forget. You fellow human must also be that way. And like, no, no. Most folks, when it's a friendship and a relationship that's built in a particular environment, goodbye mm-hmm. really is goodbye. Yeah. They can't shift it. They can't shift it. And, you know... I think that that really makes sense. And I don't think that that has to like cheapen a relationship or undercut it, that it was so like bound to a specific time, a specific place, a specific environment. Mm -hmm. Like we're saying goodbye to the podcast today and we really love it. Yeah. Both things can be true. Both things can be true. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways that like we are really honoring this podcast and all of you is like being really clear about and it's ending. Mm hmm. Right. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder. And there's other ways you can connect with our work Mm -hmm. and connect with us. But this way, this format is ending. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a big shift. And that's something that like humans, I think, in general, really struggle with. So I totally have I have a very more uh, like a far more like deep appreciation for why when we sat at the Olive Garden all those years ago. And I was like, no, we're going to be, we're going to stay close. We're going to be tighter than ever. You looked at me over the breadsticks and you were like, respectfully, I hear you, but I think you're full of shit. <laughs> right. I was like, um, in my experience. That's right. <laughs> these are lies. Well meant. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but they don't contain follow through. No, they, you will move to Chicago. Right. And um, you will get a new life, which you have to do. And um, yeah. we'll, we'll stay in contact for a short period of time. And then I'll hear from you less and less. And then eventually there will be a ghosting. Mm-hmm. And some far off place and land, we will run into each other. And it'll yeah. be like, hi. Right. And there'll be all those things that were never said. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where my head was at at the Olive Garden. And it's mm-hmm. fun to think now that, like, yeah. if we could see each other's thought balloons, they were so diametrically opposed. I mean, there was also a lot of anger in mine. Oh, yeah, I, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, how fucking dare I do not make friends easily. No. And now you're going to move. Now you're going to move. How could you fucking do this? Also, we were like building a business together. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The plan was for me to stop doing my like other awful jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> and work it, with me full time. And work with you full time. Yeah. Yeah. I forget about that. I know. Probably because, because it was so awful. Yeah, right. Yeah. Also, I pictured that whole experience of like my businesses as atlas with the world on his back yeah it's true yeah <laughs> i mean you were atlas with the world on his back Mm-hmm. friends at home we're not gonna get into this whole thing the, these no. a lot of this was choices that i made because i based on experiences that i had had mm-hmm. that i thought i needed to do things a certain way yeah and you know as a more grown squirrel i've would do things differently but that 
if there's something that I take away mm-hmm. from, I don't know, life, I guess, and all of the fuck-ups <laughs> that I've made, is that you gotta fuck up. Oh, yeah. It's the only way we learn. It's we, the we only really way. We learn as humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. I And I look back at some of those real big fuck-ups, and I'm like, how did you do that? And I remember being in the moment, being swept up in the moment, and feeling like this must be flow rather than this must be – what's that thing clients do? Mania? When they- <laughs> 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 when they don't think something through. Oh, impulsive. I was talking, I was talking about impulsivity. <laughs> but I do love that you went to mania. I went right to the DSM. <laughs> Friends at home, you'll be hearing this long after we recorded it, but I am I am currently going through the remains of my mother's estate. Yeah, you are. And there are ways in which it is definitely a little bit of manic energy over at my house. <laughs> Here's what I I say sometimes clinically, and now I'm saying in this uh, professional podcast setting, Mm. there actually is, there's a time and a place for every facet of the human emotional experience and mania Mm. is in there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need that, that like manic energy Mm -hmm. to push us over the hill. It's when it stays or when it like pops up in situations where like manic energy is not going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. 1 a.m. on a Wednesday when you have a big presentation, maybe mm-hmm. it's not going to help you. You stay up all night. You're going to walk into that presentation. You're going to feel maybe like this thing you have to show is really mm-hmm. great. It's five PowerPoint slides that end in a GIF. It's not great. <laughs> 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 and just in case anyone's wondering, that is completely a fictional uh, example there. It's no, not pulled I am from a anything. great PowerPoint creator. <laughs> you are. No, Justine is like truly fabulous. <laughs> you wouldn't think so. You'd think I'm a mess with PowerPoint, but no. Not I'm true. an excellent creator of PowerPoint presentations. You are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but where, where we started this was I'm actually going to circle way, way, way back to something that you said. Oh, great. Let's do it. Yeah. About how after a certain amount of grieving, we can mm-hmm. start deciding what we want to keep. Yep. And I am I'm doing that concretely right now. Yeah, you are. And I'm, I'm literally going through 40 boxes of things. And I am deciding mm-hmm. with my own two hands that are covered in gloves and my face that is covered in a mask. Uh, <laughs> What will stay, what will be given, and mm-hmm. what will be sold? Yeah. It's such a different experience than when mm-hmm. I did this right after my mom died. Yeah. There was definitely manic energy then, too. Mm-hmm. But it was so different. I, I just, I felt no equanimity in any of it. Right. It was chaos. It felt like chaos. Yeah. That's how I remember it, as like a mm-hmm. bystander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, you know, for one thing, I am... I'm in my own home, which before I was at my mom's house and her storage unit, and there were, like, bunches of people helping me and, right. like, the antique dealer that would come by and, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> and now it's literally me mm-hmm. and the memories of my loved ones alone in my home yeah, with time. Mm-hmm. 
And sure, there's a little bit of manic energy, like, okay, I'm going to go get another box. What's in here? (laughs) But there have also been some really beautiful moments that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Of finding something. Um, I found something that I set aside for you. Oh, a surprise. Oh, my God. When we were cleaning out the storage unit, I was like, oh, she needs this. But I couldn't remember which box I put it in. There were 40 fucking boxes, but I found it last night. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's so great. (laughs) So I set it next to the Wind in the Willows dude I want to give you. Oh, I'm excited. Um, I have no idea what this is, friends at home. I mean, the Wind in the Willows dude, I know. But like this other thing, I don't know. But there have been things where I'm like, oh, okay. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm learning more about my mom. Yeah. I'll probably learn more about my dad, too. But this is mostly my mom's stuff at this Mm -hmm. point. Like, I knew that she loved the 1939 World's Fair. Yeah. Um, But I never asked any questions. I never looked into that. I never wondered why. Right. You know, I've been reaching out to people to let them know I have this stuff in case anyone, you know, would like to to -hmm. take something. And I mentioned she had World's Fair stuff. And I had a bunch of people be like, oh, me, 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 me. And I was like, okay, it's the 39 World's Fair. They were like, oh, we only like 1893. Wow. Okay. (laughs) But wait for it. Because there's actually, there's insight here. Yeah. 1893 was the Chicago World's Fair. These people live in the Midwest. Sure. My mom is from the East Coast. Yeah. The 1939 World's Fair represents a time when the world was paying attention to New York. Okay. And I I think that, like, sparked something for her. Yeah. You know, a, a world that had thrust her community in many ways out wherever they were. Yeah. Was like, hey, we're all coming to New York City, land of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that she could have said. Articulated that, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, oh, shit, I think that's a big part of what this is. Mm-hmm. This was history that was in her backyard, and she wanted a part of this history that was in her backyard. Yeah, and maybe it felt really hopeful. Like, I don't know much about about the World's Fair in general, but my mm-hmm. very sort of like mostly uneducated sense of it is that like Mm -hmm. it is about trying to feel hopeful about what humanity has achieved collectively and what Mm -hmm. we will achieve in the future yes that's such a nice way to put that and and so that all these symbols represented hope for her Mm. it's very utopian in a way how perfect for this last conversation Mm -hmm. yeah exactly because the last chapter of the book is is it is about Mm-hmm. This realm of utopia, of meaning-making. Because mm-hmm. grief is one of the few ways that we actually change, both individually and collectively. Mm-hmm. Can we mindfully change? Can we change to create a more utopian version of the world? Mm-hmm. And if we did, what would that look like? It's been so lovely for yeah. me to find homes for these things. I mean, some some people just want to buy something and they come and they take it and it's, and it's whatever. Yeah. But sometimes I get just a wonderful moment with another human. Oh. oh there was this man that bought a bunch of mom's 1939 World's Fair stuff and actually just reached out and was like, I can't stop thinking about this one item. I'm going to come back for it. Um, <laughs> but he just he just wanted to know where they came from and... Wanted to know a little bit about mom's story and just thought mm. everything was so great and he was going to put it in his home. That's real and, sweet. you know, mom would love that. There was a woman last night. Mom had so many little figurines. Yeah. And she had a couple little circus figurines. One was a, a frog hula hooping and one mm-hmm. is a cat on a ball. 
And the cat on the ball looks so distressed. Yes, that cat on the ball is like so unhappy. (laughs) But this person reached out and said, hey, I'm having a really hard time. And I feel like that cat on the ball really speaks to my experience. Oh. And I want us to be together in our struggle. (gasps) That's really, I mean, your mom would love that. My mom would love that. Yeah, that would make her really happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I told this person. And mm-hmm. it, it might mean something to them. It might not. Like, obviously, the cat on the ball is what means something to them. But yes. I said, you know, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad that, you know, Struggle Cat is finding this wonderful partner in you and that you can yeah. struggle together. And my mom would absolutely love that story. Mm. And this is this is a small piece of utopia. A world where things that mattered to us can be respected and our children can finally start to understand where we're coming from Yeah, in some small way. I am the child in this, friends and home, in case you weren't sure. Yeah. It's not about the consuming of objects. Mm -mm. It's honoring the beginning of what objects once were. Mm Mm-hmm. For as long as we, you know, we can, we can tell in terms of like archaeological historical record, you know, from the time we, there's been a human species, we've been out there like making small stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love a little figurine. We love a little figurine. We love our toys. We love our games. Mm-hmm. I do think that like one of the big pulls to do that for humans is like we make something and, and, and by like making something that's inspired by the natural world, we've come to understand it better or ourselves better mm-hmm. or our relation to it all. Mm-hmm. Of course, modernity finds us at a time where like, we're just so caught up in the construction and the objects we've constructed that we're just like losing sight of the deeper mm-hmm. connection. But the answer isn't to just like get rid of objects, though. I will say that's something that like I personally struggle with. Same. I Part of that mania right after mom died was, like, just the complete fucking overwhelm of how much stuff there was. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. Right? Like, what I, these 40 boxes I'm talking about, this is what's left. This is the remainder. <laughs> I was so overwhelmed. I was like, chuck it all in a dumpster. I don't care. Right. Light it on and fire. I'm- I can't do this. It's too <laughs> much. And it all carried the vibes, the aura Mm-hmm. In the Frankfurt School Walter Benjamin sense, it, it like it carried all these objects had energy. Yes, and some of the energy was because of like what they themselves were symbols of. Mm-hmm. But like spoiler alert, friends, we're getting woo here. Some of the aura was like your parents, mm-hmm. and it was there when there were hundreds of these, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the other people who had owned them, and the yes. like uh-huh. all the hands they'd been through, and the generations, and. You know, even now with the 40 boxes, Mm -hmm. I'll be getting ready for bed at night and I'll start to think about Mm. all of the ghosts, whether we want to think of them as literal or, I I don't know, that which comes with an object. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to like do hands on heart and just breathe a little bit and be like, hey, hey, yes, they're all there. Yes, they're all in the basement. You're okay, though. Mm-hmm. they're okay. Right. But at that time, I was like, just chuck it all in a dumpster. I didn't have the space Mm-mm. to sit with each item and be curious about it 
And like, we're at the point where I'm literally, I'm taking pictures of everything. I look it up to see if it's worth anything. Let's be real. Like I am also, yeah, no, I also need to give a shit whether something is actually worth money. Right. We're not in utopia yet. We live in no, a constructed reality of <laughs> commerce. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going back to the World's Fair, but there's a lot of it. There um, is. But I can identify it now. As I'm looking through the boxes, I'm like, oh, World's Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of nice. It's like, oh, mom, I know we can't share this now. Right. But I want you to know I can identify World's Fair shit now. <laughs> and and it, this take I mean this takes enormous time and space and energy. Yes. And in you know one of the things that Utopia needs to have is support for that. Right. So it isn't just this like churn and burn mentality. Mhm. Right. Get the antique dealer, get them to sell everything, get mm-hmm. it all out of here, get your check, you're done. Person's dead, we're done. Right. What's the That's- style? What's the new thing? What vibes with you? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can like get there. Today I'm like halfway there with like, what is there some sort of underlying purposeful emotional theme of capitalism or is it all just the worst religion ever? <laughs> One of the things that capitalism facilitates mm-hmm. is a certain kind of individualism. Mm-hmm. And when I really try to zoom out, which I'm really trying to do today. And there's my engines are not as strong. So just know that friends. (laughs) And I think about what I know about like human, human movement and communities, Mm -hmm. pre capital C civilization. Mm -hmm. It was lots of thinking like a hive. Mm -hmm. We would call it clinically today enmeshment, but like enmeshment was the thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a concrete sense of me. It was like me connected to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Do I want this shawl? I don't know. That's not super important. I don't even know if I have that kind of an awareness. I know it was my mother's and her mother's and her mother's and her mother's and her mother's. And so I just have it. Mm-hmm. Gots to keep it. There is a weight and a heaviness to that and a pressure. Mm-hmm. And capitalism is kind of like, well, fuck all that. <laughs> what do you think you like now the shadow side of that is like capitalism like here to tell you what they want you to like right it's like uh, get rid of that shawl buy this 500 dollars shawl right or buy this like 10 dollar thing from target don't think about how this was constructed <laughs> and you can buy yourself a new one in six months when you're feeling bad but there is this like focus on like individualness in a way mm-hmm And I guess we're getting to like what I think of when I think of utopia is an environment that cultivates and supports a balance between individual development and care and concern and presence for community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even when that community was like really challenging Mm -hmm. and perhaps hurt you repeatedly when you were growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Friends at home, two things can be true at once. And utopia does not mean the absence of hard things. That's right. It's just having support to deal with hard things. We say that much prettier in our book. We do. Um, We also had like this like beautiful conversation about this during the initial um, like hybrid book tour that we did with mm -hmm. Tonio. And you talked about like the process of being held 
And that when you are held in your grief, Mm -hmm. it's such a radically different experience than when you just feel like you're carrying the burden of grief alone Mm. or under duress. God, sometimes I'm just really good at stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That is correct. But you know what utopia is? Utopia is having a best friend who remembers when you said smart shit and then says it later. I'm an excellent archivist. (laughs) I mean, you truly are. My memory is a little bit garbage. (laughs) (laughs) It is something that I know I'm really going to struggle with. And I struggle with it a lot more now when I'm during like peak periods of stress. And when we're recording this, this is absolutely a peak period of stress. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the lead up to the winter holidays, Hanukkah, the solstice, Christmas, New Year's. Mm -hmm. What a cube. Um, And so like, I just like don't. I'm not like recording things mm. in that archive the way I'm I'm mm-hmm. used to doing. So like the other night I was laying in bed and I was like, I know I use this particular metaphor in a session, but who is it with? Who is it with? Who is it with? Oh, and I just couldn't remember. Yeah. And then I had to sit there and be like, wow, you know, as I age, my brain will get tired or mm-hmm. And this will be a thing. And I was like, wow, that will be hard for me. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It is hard. I That thing you just described, mm-hmm. I have that quite often yeah. where I'm like, oh, fuck, that was really good. Who was that with? Right. You know, a, a lot of our clients deal with similar shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and we're all humans living on the planet. And like, we're all experiencing human Experiences. Human global awfulness right now, yeah. Yeah, so, like, it could have been one of these many people. <laughs> I know, I know. And then you just have to sit there. And like I did, I just laid there and I was like, all right, what a moment of radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. And some, like, I don't know if, I mean, it's like grieving. Mm-hmm. Not like intense grieving. It's not like I'm losing my memory. But it is slowly letting go of a younger version of my corporeal form. Mm, Yeah. Which is really hard to do, but it it is interesting that like, I very much have this feeling of like, I want to do that. I don't want to do body modification. (laughs) I don't want to take all of the ginkgo. I don't want to like shoot Mm. myself up with like injections to make my hair grow. Got it. Got it. Got it. Like I get a lot of Mm. these like, ads on Instagram now because they figured out my age. And so they're like, is your hair dying? Like, yes, of course it is. Of course, we're all dying. Yes. And then they're like, (laughs) if you take this and pay this amount of money, your hair will grow like this. But if you stop taking it, it'll all fall out. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? Yeah. I, oh my God. I had this thought literally this morning as I was taking all of my supplements, my sups. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, these sups are forever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is one of the privileges or like I've decided to maybe in the privilege is the wrong word. One of the gifts Mm -hmm. of having grown up with chronic illness. Cause like, I don't really remember a time when I wasn't taking medication. Sure. Yeah. And so now Mm -hmm. I'll have clients who are like, oh, I have to start doing this for this thing or that Mm -hmm. for this thing. And I'm like, in my brain, I just sit there and I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Like I'm not grieving that. (laughs) <laughs> right. I d- that's just life. That was just life for me. And when I was really <laughs> little, I was like, well, I either don't breathe and die or I do this thing. Let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. 
let's be real, I've only really started to, like, take care of myself in a meaningful way in the past, like, 10 years, and then, like, really, like, nurturing Uh maybe the past three years. No, that's true. Friends at Home, Justine sent me, I think it might have been this week, you (laughs) sent me this really excellent meme, and the person was like, being an adult is just, like, reminding your friends to go to the doctor all the time. (laughs) That's our friendship. That's our friendship. That was, like, a five-year project. (laughs) You were like, you have asthma, and I'm like, I'm not sure. You're like, you have asthma. (laughs) And then I was having chest pains, and you were like, oh, God, we've ignored this long enough. You were like, maybe it's a heart attack. And I was like, or maybe (laughs) it's asthma. I finally passed out. Uh, It's funny because it's absurdity. I know. And it's just part of the human experience that, like, for each of us, there's certain ailments that feel more manageable. Mm-hmm. Then others, like I remember, I can remember sitting at my old in my old apartment at the kitchen table, being like, "I know it's true for Justine that having a heart problem would be easier than <laughs> asthma, and I don't get it, but I do know that that's true." <laughs> <laughs> well, because I there were people in, in my life who had heart trouble, right? And so, like you, you had experience with it. You were like, "People have mm-hmm. this, and they can they can like live yeah. for a while, and this is what they do." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Lung problems killed my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. much, 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 much worse. Right. Even though eventually heart problems killed the other people too, but... Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to end on... On death. death. I was just going to be like, well, death does come for us all. <laughs> Which is why utopia is so important, because utopia can be a place and a space, a community of people who like come together, and rather than like trying to deny or protect from death, mm-hmm. there's support around like being with it. And it's awful. It's gut-wrenching. Like, I talked about this ad nauseum. Usually, you know, either building to or recovering from, totally crying. Did a lot of crying <laughs> on this book tour. Um, like, I do get why humans created a, a constructed civilization that protects us from death. It feels so terrible. Mm-hmm. But being protected from death, as Byung Chul Han would remind us, means being protected from life. <laughs> <laughs> Byung Chil Han enters the chat one last time. I know. Uh, he just like really helped me in so many ways. And it's so great that you are such a good friend that you were like, oh my God, yet again, Lewis is going to tell me about this man. <laughs> I, you know, I have this, I have this sneaking suspicion that he will come back into our lives again someday. I mean, I did recently read an interview in this like Portuguese <laughs> journal. <laughs> For a new book, and he talked about how like he lives his life backwards because he feels like it's the only way to like try to atone for the atrocities of modern human civilization. Okay, just Benjamin Buttons is the apocalypse. That's right, that's right. So like he likes to go to Catholic Mass, but he won't go to the actual mass. He goes to the church after the mass is over and sits there. Okay. He like works at night and then like usually sleeps during the day. Oh, I see. I see mm-hmm. what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's soaking up the spirits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with that. And with that. With that. <laughs> oh, it is. It is time to end. So 
Friends at home, thank you so much for going on this multi-year journey with us. Mm -hmm. Um, We truly look forward to continuing to connect and share our work in different ways in the future. And we hope this has been an inspiration to you to make the changes that you need to make in your life or to connect with people that you've been missing or to just hold space and play. Give yourself permission to play. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the memories, everyone. It's been a wonderful journey. Oh, that's beautiful. There's nothing I can add. One last time, we may have been at the helm of this ship, but we know who really kept us running. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. Thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Kyle Rebar, who also did our theme song and then revised it. Mm-hmm. Finally, thank you to executive producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. Truly, we couldn't have done this without you. You are welcome to keep following us on social media. We would love to stay in touch. Instagram's the best way. Um, You're welcome to leave us a rate and review if you want to influence future people to discover our back catalog. Um, And please do pick up our books. We really would appreciate it. Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life. And The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients When It Feels Like the End of the World. And for one last time, friends, live long and prosper. And as Q once famously said, we'll see you out there. <laughs>